back to the bin. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. Now, if you were expecting Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and possibly Scott Gardner, uh, uh, you're out of luck because it's Assistant Editors Month, and so uh, the inmates are running the asylum, you know, like more than usual. So uh, you've got us instead. I am your co-host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening to this episode of Back to the Bins today. And joining me today is, uh, I know everyone's a little shocked by this, it's my brother, Jay Giaconetti. How you doing, Jay? Hey, how's it going? I think so, most people are just shocked that you're uh, you're doing in a, a comic book podcast. I, I've done a comic book podcast before. I talked about The Punisher uh, with um, um, That's right. John, John Vanover and uh, Derek. Um, yeah. Yeah. So on fan holes. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. 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 Normally it's, it's always funny whenever you're on like a round table or something and talking about, well, I don't read, I don't read the comics. I don't, I'm not familiar with that guys. I didn't read those. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's I, like I, we I have the, read, J. I read the dirt sheets. Yeah. You guys know more about that than I do. I don't, I don't read yeah. those comic book dirt sheets, but <laughs> you know, it'd be really funny. Hey, we, we could totally like, you know, screw over the format here and be like, all right, we are going to cover uh, PWI 500, you know, issue number, whatever, and then talk about a wrestling mag. That would totally throw them off. Um, I've got an issue no. with a wrestler upstairs, you know, with Brian Pillman on the cover. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, predicting Brian yeah. Pillman was going to win the WWF championship. That never really came to pass. Yeah, I got one sitting right over here. I can see it. It's got the Road Warriors in the cover. It's, it's like 1985 Supercards, it says. That's, so, how, that's how you put butts in seats. That's how you sell yeah. books. You put the Road Warriors on the cover. That's right, man. Like that old so, WCW comic? Yes. The Road Warriors were on the cover of the first issue, if I remember it, right? Like, that, it, is. They, it is. They made money. That's Yeah. The comic is horrible, but the, the Road Warrior cover is outstanding. So anyway, <laughs> that's not what we're going to cover today, folks. Sorry. I know no, you're disappointed. But, uh, well, you know, if you want, uh, may, maybe we'll eventually... Uh, no, I'm not even going to say we'll cover the WCW comic on... Uh, no, it's not worth the time. <laughs> not going to happen. It's uh, better left on red. Yeah. So... <laughs> Oh, but uh, it was a beautiful dream, you know, and if you did it in louder than a whisper, it would vanish. That's how fragile it was. <laughs> that was Rome. Uh-huh. That was WCW. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, but uh, no, but we are here today to talk about comic books. Uh, so, Jay, I'll, I'll ask you, any new comic book news on, on your front? Anything you've been reading or collecting in the, the massive amounts of comics that you are, are into nowadays? So many, I can't even <laughs> uh, fathom. Uh, and I'll actually, I do have comic book news. Um, I just got, uh, actually just came, uh, probably last month. It was the Jim Cornette's new, uh, graphic novel. Yes. Um, it's I have that, book. I have that sitting right here in my box from DCBS mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mine came from Jim Cornette himself autographed. I was one of the Kickstarter, um, you know, uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it, cause I just, it literally came and school started up. Um, but I've, I know that it's been selling like crazy. The, uh, the soft covers selling out everywhere. They can't get them in stock. It's like, it's going nuts. It's the number one selling wrestling book on Amazon. It's going like, you know, crazy, which is awesome. I mean, you know, I, I know not everyone loves Jim Cornette, but like, to be honest here, um, obviously I'm a you know, Jim Cornette fan, but I, this book is all about the history of wrestling and like stories about wrestling and stuff like that. So really cool. Um, new thing. I'm hoping to read it soon. Um, but you know, I gotta, gotta get to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got that. I said in my my last box from DCBS, and I'm like, oh, this is this has got to go on the on the pile to read pretty quickly because uh, 
Um, you know, I, I, I love Cornette also. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because you can kind of set your watch to him sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. about seeing that are going to piss him off or whatever, but, yeah, uh, well. but you know, Corny's been around for just so long and has seen so much and knows so much, yep. you know, that it, it's yeah. hard to, uh, it, it's hard to discount that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and, uh, and the, the only other, uh, comic book news is that Headlock, who I backed, uh, three years ago on Kickstarter and was supposed to have delivered the book almost two years ago, is finally getting around to maybe getting it to us sometime soon. Hey, that's so, something. Sometime soon. Yeah, that's that's sort of like soon. a date. Yeah. Well, he was like, we're going to be at Comic-Con and stuff. And I'm like, and, I, and, and I'm sorry if this is, you know, making people angry, whatever. It's true. Like, literally, I went on the other day. I'm like, wait, I never got this book. Because, you know, on, on um, Kickstarter, it says, did you receive the item? Yes or no? You know, kind of yes. you check it off yes. kind of thing. And, uh, you know, unlike, like, uh, Go Fight Pal, you know, the, the official card wrestling, the official card game of Get Back to the Wrestling, um, which literally the Kickstarter will end on a Thursday. And, like, a week later, you have all the cards in your hand because you've already gone ahead and started working on things. Um, this is clearly them going, well, we have this person we overwhelmed, and then they couldn't do this stuff, and this, this, and this. And I'm like, it's always an excuse. Like, it, half the people who backed it have requested their money back. And I'm like... Buddy, 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 you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I want the book, so I'll wait. But it's just like, it's just hard sometimes when you just, and I understand Kickstarter's not, you know, perfect, but it's like, you know, you give, you know, you kind of have a reasonable amount of time to do things, like, but you know how long it takes to draw and do this stuff. Like, you know, I understand people get busy, but I'm looking for a comic that should have landed like two, like uh, February of 2018 was as late as it was supposed to all be distributed. And now, the book's not even close to done. We're not going to get it till right. February 2020, it looks like. So, yeah. but be as it may, it's okay, yeah. whatever it is. I'm, I'm actually kind of in a similar boat. There's a couple of Kickstarters I backed from. Um, it's Alive is kind of the outfit that they're called. And they've been doing some um, some new and some reprint, like cleaned up uh, reprint war comics. Some uh-huh. uh, third party, some Charlton stuff. Like they're doing a, um, the, there, there was a Charlton War series called The Private War of Private Schultz. And okay. it was a, this is probably the best known Charlton war comic. The idea was that the character private Schultz, he was a he was a private in the U S army in world war two, but he was of German descent and he ends up, um, basically behind enemy lines in, mm-hmm. you know, on its own kind of thing. And this, this, this was most Charlton books were, they, they were kind of like uh, formatted, like the old EC war books, you know, where they were just right, uh, right. four, basically four, three or four shorts. Uh, maybe a text piece in there, but this was actually a continuing feature, which was rare for Charlton anthology books. And they were doing like going back and you know reshooting from the original art and all this. And then they did a couple of reprints of like some Sam Glasman uh, war comics. They were doing one for um, Pearl Harbor, and they were doing a few others. And most of these were supposed to be out last year, and they're still not out. So I kind of understand what yeah. you're saying with that. That's always yeah. the problem with Kickstarter is that. You know, you get certain outfits, and I'll put I'll put over a fellow podcaster, Rob Kelly, a number of years ago, did two Kickstarters for his comic Ace Kilroy, and they okay. were very well done. Especially considering Rob is not a comics artist by uh, by uh, trade; that's not his day yeah. job, right? You know, he this this was stuff they were doing on the side, and they got all their stuff out on time, and it's really good stuff. It's uh, that's kind of like a pulp, like a '30s pulp style, um, hard boiled detective type stuff. Right, um, right. Where, whereas these guys, th- this is what they're doing. They're a publishing house. And it's like, come on, you got to get your act together a little bit on this. I mean, again, I'm, right. I'm in the same boat because I really want these old war comics and I want them cleaned up. So um, I'll wait for them. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So well, what, but, do, uh, what do you call just you know, you just mentioned EC there. The new um they just have a uh I don't know, I want to call it an omnibus. It's like a, a collected, it's the it's like Vault of Horror and uh, Haunt of Fear and Tales from the Crypt and uh, the, the other ones too, like Suspense and whatever. It's like a five or 600 page edition coming out. Um, and it's like 50 bucks in print, but it's like 20 bucks on the Kindle. I already yeah. pre-ordered that. It comes out at Halloween time. I'm like, that sounds awesome to me, you know, right. kind of thing. Uh, I guarantee you, I probably read most of them, but you know, it's okay. I'll read them again. Yeah, you they're so go good. Yeah. Tales from the Crypt. Right. You never can go wrong with someone getting their skin ripped off or something like that. That's always fun. So, well, yeah. and you know, you know the great thing. I, I never, I never appreciated this when I was when we were kids reading those like uh, what was it Gladstone I think, Gladstone yeah. or Gemstone were the two uh, outfits that reprinted those. But right. the difference in the artists, you know, yeah, like looking yeah. at Jack Davis versus Graham Ingalls, and yeah. Graham Ingalls especially. Ingalls was, um, you know, he he usually did the the ones that were hosted by the old witch. And right, usually was right. the lead feature in the Haunt of Fear. He had the most yeah. gruesome, just creepy, crawly stuff. And I love Graham Engel stuff for that reason. But, you know, Jack Davis, who was one of the, um, he mostly did The Vault. And The Vault Keeper was kind of his host. Right, right, right. And the right. thing about Jack is that his stuff was so clean and so crisp that it's like he could be doing a, a romance strip. He could be doing any strip you could think of. But then there's right. something horrific in it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like it was so. It was it was like that Stan Drake school of uh, photorealism, you know. Right. Uh, if you ever right. if you ever get a chance to read, and and most people won't because they're hard to come by. But if you ever get the chance to read Dave Sims Glamour Puss, where he talks about the history of photorealism in uh, in comic strips and comic art, okay. and he talks okay. all about how you know the 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 rise of photorealism and and. Uh, how the the influence of these led to different artists and all stuff that he talks about that and that that's kind of where the school that Davis was from. The line I always remember from Glamorpus is he's talking about Bernie Wrightson, and he said that he always wondered why Bernie Wrightson in the seventies only the only thing he published was Frankenstein, and then he saw a um, he was at a panel where Bernie was giving a demonstration of how he did Frankenstein, and he said that he watched him take his brush. Load it up with India ink, take the blotter paper, roll it, roll it, roll it, roll it, roll it till it was at a fine point, then put three lines on the page, and then start the process over again. Oh and he's like, and that was why Frankenstein was the only thing Bernie got out in the entire decade. So yeah. I, I have actually I have over here, I have a um it's it's I can't reach it to see it. It's just a it's a new a new printing of Bernie Wright since Frankenstein, like an yeah. oversized hardcover. But yeah, I got that, it too. That'll be for that'll be for October. That'll be for Halloween reading. You yeah, know? So. yeah. The uh, that's going for a pretty penny actually, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, like, I, I mean, I, that was when I just pre-ordered. That's the great thing about DCBS. You know, you get the whole previews catalog. So if yeah. you know something's coming, you can yeah. order it. And they and unless it's unless it's something outlandish, you know that that yeah, yeah, shorted yeah, yeah. The, the publisher or whatever they'll, right, they'll right. get. It. Yeah, you know, they're big yeah. enough. They have the. I mean, it's just years and years ago. I got that when Franco and I were ordering comics before the comic book stores and stuff opened. So we were just ordering books, and I got it. And it's like one of those things. Okay, and it's been sitting. It's still sitting in the in the sleeve with the cardboard. I'm like, I'm probably never going to read this thing. But it's like, you know, it was just too cool to pass up at the time because it was like thirty bucks yeah. or whatever it was. And I'm like, dude, it's thirty dollars worth of like you know paper. You know, right. kind of thing. It's like this is just worth getting is to have. Um, but it's literally I mean, to me, one of my favorite uh not like like the um uh uh the Steve Niles, the guy who did uh um uh oh, Thirty Days, Days a Night. Night. 
Yeah. Yeah. His his I am legend is outstanding. And if you ever get a chance to read those guys, I mean, I tell you right now, whether you've ever read I am legend or not, which is one of my favorite uh, books, novella, whatever you want to call it of all time. um, It's great reading there. It's the entire literally the entire novella. And it has uh, there's nothing cut out and it's got all the uh, artwork, but it's all the words and everything in there. It's either characters saying them or the description and stuff, Um, you know, so and it's just outstanding. But it's one of those books that's like. People are like, really? Like, it's just the same thing. It's nothing different. I'm like, right, but it's it's like got drawings yeah. along with a killer story, you know, kind of right. thing. So. Yeah. Well, that's like you I have, yeah, yeah, I have like, I think I have three different graphic novel versions of Beowulf because Beowulf right, is right, one of right, my right, favorite right. stories of all time. So if it's, you know, if it, and never mind, of course, a lot of people know that the DC Comics Beowulf is my favorite comic of all time. It's the most metal comic ever. Best right, five bucks right. I ever spent was buying those six issues of Beowulf. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But uh, I, I said, I'm, you know, I'm in the same boat. It's like I'll, I'll always be up for a new, a new graphic version of Beowulf, just because of right. how much I like that. But, uh, but in any event, you know, we're not covering Frankenstein or Beowulf or Glamourpuss or Jim Cornette or any of that on tonight's show. So. <laughs> but we I just will give you say, a lot of extra reading, folks. That's what we yeah. just did. So. Well, you know, we we like we like to add value. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting your money's worth out of us that's what it's about that's a, so. god's honest truth on a free podcast you always get your money that's right yeah future freaks but uh... <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right so so it is assistant editor's month so we have some comics to cover uh jay you have the marvel normally the marvel yeah. goes first so why don't you tell us what book you are covering okay so I am covering What If, number 49. What if the Silver Surfer possessed the Infinity Gauntlet? Um, It has a uh, cover date of May 1993 with an on-sale date of March 16th, 1993 with a cover price of $1.25. Oh, boy. Remember that? Yeah. Remember when comics weren't like four bucks and worthless? Anyway, so... Uh, with a page count of thir- 32, 27 probably are actually the story. Um, I actually have the reprint in front of me that you sent me. And this yep. is actually says, True Believers, number one. Um, so this must be, the like, is that a line or something? Yes. These folks, true- I, don't, I don't know these things. Yes. Yeah, so so, so uh, True Believers is Marvel's $1 reprint line. Yeah. And they, awesome. do, they do a theme. Usually they do them either every month or every other month. And they do a theme. Right. And they had done... I think it was because of the in, um, it was the Infinity Warps story coming out of the the new right. Infinity Wars story. They did a series of what ifs, and so yeah. they did a whole themed month of what if. And I know that you know historically, what if was one of the very few regular Marvel books that you enjoyed when we were growing oh, up. Yeah. So, so I ended Not up buying. A- I never read this one though before though. Yeah, this, this, this was to- a this was a little bit later. I think the last the last one the last issue of what if that I remember getting off the stands was about five months earlier, which was number mm-hmm. volume two, number 44. What if Venom had possessed the Punisher, which uh, yeah. I don't think I have that, that one in my collection. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I remember that, but that, that's, I said, that's a few months after yeah. a few months before this. Yeah. Um, some, I actually have um, volume one of the reprints of the, what ifs, the classic, what ifs. Yeah. And they're pretty good. It's like, what if the Fantastic Four never had their powers? What if it's like, eh, eh it's okay. <laughs> my favorite ones are like, what if the Punisher's family had not died? Hmm. Uh, spoiler alert he still kills a lot of people uh, <laughs> that's like a spoiler for like every what if everybody yeah. dies <laughs> yeah like nothing turns out well in a what if that's why i love what ifs okay so uh, i know i know i always say i don't read a lot of comics i said don't um but when i was growing up i loved the punisher and i love punisher war journal more than anything else because each war journal was at most two issues 
it was always it was always like one issue encapsulated. I love one issue encapsulated. I like being able to read something and be done with it, mm-hmm. right? And so I can go back and revisit that because that's like a memory. Like so, like the the African saga was two issues, which took forever to get, and I finally just bought the uh, the graphic novel of it, right? The that's the with whole Wolverine, was, right? Wolverine, yeah, which is one of the yeah. most famous Punisher War Dungeons of all time. Um, but a lot of them were one issue encapsulated, one issue encapsulated. Then they would do one where it was like it was um, oh Ghost Rider, not Ghost Rider. It was Hearts of Darkness and stuff like that. Yeah, that came that out was after. Good, yeah, and, that was like that was the uh, yeah Hearts of Darkness. That was Ghost Rider was in that one, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Ghost Rider and that stuff. But they get t- and like they had like Johnny Blaze with Punisher in an issue or, or Nomad or something like that. I forgot. And it was like this is going to be three issues, and I'm like, are you joking me? You're yeah. going to make this take three issues because I, I I detest that. Like I, I I like having a graphic novel with with the whole thing, like you know, beginning yeah. to middle to end. But I'm also the same guy who doesn't care if I know how something's going to end. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, it is, I know that drives dad nuts, but, um, yeah. so anyway, so having never read this issue, yeah. I had a feeling I knew how it might end. Well, I was going to say, but you know, liking the one and dones <laughs> that suits what if very well, because I don't yeah, think there were any like what ifs that were, that no. were two parters that I'm aware of. Not, not in the, either not of the, the two classic series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying is I, I like what ifs. In that aspect of it, um, you know, like, what if Spider-Man had become the Punisher? Or what if, whatever. Like, it's just really cool ideas. And you're like, oh, that would be totally cool. It's like alternate takes. And I always think of it like this. It's like you have a wrestler you like in WCW, and they go to WWF, and they have to change their gimmick. But they're still the same guy. Right. You just have to kind of, like, spice it up. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when Diesel became Kevin Nash, you're kind of the same guy. Yeah. It's just a little different, you know, kind of thing. So to the I point that, that, so, that, that, you know, they sued him to say they were the same. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I know. Um, but yeah, like I said, so knowing it's the Infinity Gauntlet and I know how poorly things with the Infinity Gauntlet tend to turn out. Um, <laughs> and that was with me reading this before I ever saw Endgame. I actually watched Endgame last night. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was three hours plus. Um, <laughs> that I'm just saying, so yeah, it was. <laughs> so I'm just saying is like having not even seen how that ended. And I figured I, I knew how it was going to end kind of thing. Right. Having read the Infinity Gauntlet, the actual, uh, you know, all the, the actual comics from back in the day and whatever. Anything with the Infinity Gauntlet tends to turn out poorly. Yes. Um, for somebody or <laughs> lots of people. Lots so, of people. um, <laughs> Anyway, so this thing starts with, um, and it really just opens. I love the, the first thing it says here. Um, it talks about how the Silver Surfer is coming in, and it flat out says, he failed. Yep. But um, I am privy to countless real, uh, realms containing other outcomes. And he yanks the Infinity Gauntlet right off his hand. So Star-Lord wasn't there to screw things up like in the movie. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is what's well, crazy. Just, well, right. but, but to be fair, in in the in the Infinity Gauntlet, in the actual comic, that is exactly what happens. Their whole plan, Adam Warlock's yeah. whole plan, is to get yeah. so many people involved with Thanos that he's so distracted and that they're yeah. going to get the Surfer to fly in so fast and snatch the gauntlet off his hands before he can he can do anything, and he and he fails, yeah. which I always thought was a great aspect of the Infinity Gauntlet in yeah. the first place. That is well, like, oh crap, that was we yeah. had no plan B. That was it. Yeah. That that's the plan. Like it kills me that that's the plan, but that is 100 percent the plan. It's like in Monster Squad, yeah. they failed. Like literally, like okay, we tried to get doesn't rid of Dracula, but doesn't it they, doesn't, it, doesn't it say they blew it? They blew it. Yeah, they blew it. Yeah, yeah whatever. You know what you think, right? <laughs> um, so of course now we're looking at the idea that the Infinity Gauntlet's been yanked off his hand, and now Surfer has it. And you're thinking like, okay, well this is gonna be great. He'll give it to Adam Warlock. Well, Surfer puts it on because he's a man of virtue. And, you know, who could be, you know, better than he is? Um, 
it just the artwork is not spectacular in this book folks I'm, and I'm not again I'm no artist so I'm not criticizing someone else's artwork but the artwork here doesn't look up to snuff for 1993 I'm just saying um, you know the everything kind of looks kind of you know uh, washed not washed out the colors are great everything looks like really sharp but it's like not super crisp um, it's just I don't know it's well, just not exactly I, I should I should say the the, the writer is Ron Mars Oh, I'm sorry. Pen no, that's that. okay. Penciler is Scott Clark, and I, I wasn't familiar with that name, so I, I, on Mike's Amazing World, I clicked through. Um, oh. Just looking at it, this is actually his only his third published work. Okay. Because uh, he had done an issue of, uh, of Comico book called Strike Force America that I'm not familiar with, and then he had done an earlier issue of What If, number 43, What If Wolverine Had Married Mariko, and then Which he I mostly... Don't think yeah, I mean he's got yeah. he's got a few credits on Stormwatch over at Image, over at uh, at Wildstorm, and then a few issues in the um, the volume two of Alpha Flight, which I guess is a and then and then he appears in uh, like Brightest Day and some issues of Grifter. So he doesn't have a whole lot of credits. Only I'm only seeing fifty eight story credits all told. All right. So this is very early on in his career. Uh, well, it, it is it I'm is a little it. rough going. Absolutely, it's, it's it's not me to criticize anybody. I wish I could draw like this. Like I wish I could draw this well, um, kind of thing. So I'm not trying to knock them, but I know what comics looked like in the '90s, like in, in that, that time. Um, and remember, this is a time when there's Todd McFarlane and guys like that who are just blowing things out of the water, no matter how slow they might have moved, um, getting things out. You know. So, and I'm not trying to knock it because it tells a story. And to me, this it's good enough. What's going on? Yeah. Um, one thing that bothers me though, and I don't know if you noticed this. Thanos has the glove removed from his hand. He has his blue unitard on there, right? You know, he's all yep. blue. And then in the next time you see Thanos, he's got a glove on again. Yes. yes so yes. he shouldn't have a glove on because <laughs> Silver Surfer's wearing his glove. Um, but, okay. Well, uh, you know, so, perhaps he used whatever remains of the cosmic power he had to, you know, make himself be symmetrical new glove. once again. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, no, it's just, it's fine. But, uh, it's, so, uh, Surfer now is going to undo all the wrongs uh, you know that he's he has the power, so he's now. Um, there's the scene where he's speaking to. I recognize Galactus. I don't recognize the other people. Um, yeah, it's all the it's all, all the cosmic beings. Yeah. So if that was like um, that was Eternity and the Living Tribunal and the Inbetweener. These were all the that that was part of the. It was all the cosmic beings that Adam Warlock had recruited to be part of his plan that were there oh. and, and fought Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah they right. don't they don't Again, look I don't particularly recognizable. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, problem they, is I don't know all the, I mean I know I know I know who uh Galactus is, but I don't know other people's names. Again, having never read most of these comics except for like I read the Infinity War. I mean I've seen Infinity Gauntlet, but that's about it. Right. Um so the whole idea obviously is that he's going to uh fix things and now if you don't uh do what he's telling you to do, he's gonna get rid of you because he you know, his whole thing is that he will end all suffering. So all the sick will be healthy. No one will ever be hungry again. He ends the Kree scroll war. Like he, he goes and starts fixing all the problems of the, the universe. Um, and, you know, Thanos even says to him, will there be no more death? And he's like, well, there will be death, but it won't be from this. And it won't be from starving. And it won't be like, it's, it's these ideals that are kind of way the other way different than Thanos's idea, you know, of like, let's take away half of things so that let's kill off half. So the other half can thrive, which we know it would never be the case. Um, the idea is that now it's like, you know, it's completely the, the other way. Um, and to the point where he even goes down to face Mephisto, 
Uh, you know, which I mean, you know, that's pretty ballsy. Uh, yeah. just saying, Infinity Gauntlet or not, like I'm gonna go to Mephisto, and it's so funny when Mephisto like uh, spits fire at him, and uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos hide their face, and Surfer literally just takes it and he goes, "Are you like, like really, really?" He like kind of misses him, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> and then just disintegrates Mephisto. So if you've now basically killed the devil, like you know, the, who's ruling hell, kind of thing, you know, it's 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 kind of nuts when you think about what's happening here and it just literally happens in one panel and one panel and one panel and it's like the the immensity of what they're trying to be saying and again i know it's a what if so it doesn't really happen but it's like he's gone and done things that like are so beyond the scope of what you know you would ever expect in a comic book you know kind of thing um or maybe not i mean maybe maybe you you know you're like to me you know, most of the, again, reading a lot of Punisher, everything's kind of grounded in reality, you know, kind of thing or semi-reality, you know what I'm saying? So, um, that he's now going and he's like, take, you know, getting rid of the most powerful entities in the entire universe. And he has power over them. Um, you know, Adam strange, uh, Adam strange, uh, excuse me, Dr. Strange shows up and he's got a plan cause he's always got a plan. Um, and that is to bring back, uh, what's her name? His lover, what's her name? Shalabal. Shalabal, right? And, of course, like, you know, instead of making her, instead of, like, well, you will be subservient to me, he gives her half the power, which is nuts. Like, I mean, like, I mean, because there's no way in the world Thanos would give anyone any of the power. So Surfer is being unselfish and gives her half the power, which turns out to be not the right move. Um, but even that, he, 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 uh, he backhands her, you know, when, yeah. when she fights against him, which would not fly, uh, obviously, in today's comic books, um, and calls her an ungrateful witch, uh, you know. But then, but again, there, I mean, she's uh, she's not gotta just stay not code. Just you got to stay code. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, yeah. You know, I mean, again, she's all powerful as much as he is, so it's not like it's an unfair fight. But the idea being is that he's able to see that is corrupting him. So someone who felt he was a man of virtue that he could not be corrupted. Um, that he would he would be the one who would understand he's being corrupted as well, and that he's able to say no, I need to get rid of this. This power needs to not exist. So he he uh, he basically he snaps them out of existence. Um, he he makes himself and his you know and Shalabal you know gone. I mean again they now at the end reveal uh, thankfully a good ending for this that they end up yeah. on a little planet you know that no one knows about. But it's like literally. Everything that Thanos is saying, like, no, I, I know better. I can do this. I know better than you. And trust, and when I say to you, I will kill half of the universe so the other half can live and thrive where he, and, and we know that's wrong. But the idea being is that, you know, surfers like, no, no, I want no death. I want nothing. I want people to live. I want people to no, not starve. I want wars to be over. He's trying to do the, the good and it's too much as well. It speaks a lot, I think, to the idea that like the extremes are too much, yeah. you know, like life isn't lived on the extremes, no matter what people might think. You know, you don't really truly live life on the extremes for any long period of time. It's really in the middle. Yeah. It's the good and the bad. It's the yin and the yang. It's that balance. It's not truly there is, you know, all evil or all good. It's that kind of they need to kind of coexist, you know. So, yeah, and maybe yeah, I'm reading too much into it, but I'm just no, saying that's, no, that's, that's I, why I, I have it. I think you're right on the money because I honestly, I really liked this story. I thought that yeah. it, um, as far as first off, 
this this is just a, a a great setup in general. Yeah. Because that is such a big turning point in the Infinity Gauntlet, where in the first issue that Thanos, you know, Thanos does it right at the beginning of the first issue and and snaps half the half of the universe out of existence. Yep. And then immediately it's like Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom and Adam Warlock start putting this plan together. And this plan takes like two full issues to come to fruition. Yep. And then in the fourth yep. issue, that's it. That's the plan. We've got them and they fail. And so yeah. that's a perfect setup for a what if. Um, yeah. And and I, I do like it because it, it taught, you know, the, it's the old saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that. The surfer is the, you know, virtuous noble man. He spent his whole existence yeah. as the surfer trying to protect life as best he can to leave Galactus away from inhabited planets and has, you know, taken on a great personal uh, peril to himself, taking up the cause of sentient beings. You know, that was yeah. the whole thing in, in, you know, back in the Fantastic Four in the original Galactus trilogy was that he had no, he had no reason to rebel against Galactus to save humanity except that he was touched by humanity you know alicia right. masters and her humanity inspired him that no this is not right and i'm going to take a stand and it it you know it got him exiled and everything else so the idea of him having the infinity gauntlet it's like you said it, it's the it's the opposite of thanos in that yeah. they they both feel that they are justified in what they're doing but it's the you know he's taking a a certain more uh uh lawful approach to it i guess we could yeah. say if we're talking the alignment chart here but uh well, yeah i'm just saying is if you think about it like you need um it's it's going from one extreme to the other and i think that's what they the whole point is people say well you know if you think about what thanos did was oh my god how could this happen you want, you want to go the other way was well, the other way really exactly what you want you know, kind of right. thing. I mean, is it better that people aren't dying? Is it better that there's no war? Is it better that people aren't hungry? Yeah, but it's also causing other problems, and it's, like, going to be a bigger issue mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of thing at the end than you think it's going to be. It's not nearly as bad as killing half everybody, but, you know, <laughs> um, I I don't know. It's just, it's just, but it's always the case. It's like, but you know this as well as I do. It's like, and anytime you have something where it's like, it's, to me, I always look at it like, it's, it's, like, it's like the one ring. Yeah. The one ring, you know, kind of thing, it, it, it may, you know, turns uh, uh, Smeagol, you know, in, into the golem. Like, you know, it, it corrupts him so much that he turns into that. And you start seeing as, as you know, as they're trying to, as they're trying to, Frodo's trying to get it to, you know, to, to Mordor. Oh, sorry, spoilers, folks. If you don't know Lord yeah. of the Rings, this is what it is. <laughs> but freaking sorry. Come on, catch up. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing like, uh, you know. Like it kind of, he starts becoming, he starts realizing how evil it is, and he's the most virtuous of them all because he doesn't want the power. Right. And I it just, it's a great story. I, the story itself was outstanding. It makes perfect sense. And to, you know, that's a 27 page banger kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's 32 yeah. with all the ads, but 27 pages, it, you know, pulls no punches, gets going, you yeah. know? So I thought it was really on point. I mean, this, this so. could have been, this could have been issue five of the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. You know, and instead of, instead of, you know, with the stuff with Nebula and all that at the end of that series, this could have been, it, it fits that well with the yeah. story that it could have done. Yeah. It. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I do want to say about this, like you say, the art is that the, like from a, from a, from a like storytelling standpoint, the art is fine. The art yeah. does tell the story there. There's a couple of really nice panels in here, yeah. um, but there's just so many panels where it just looks, it, it doesn't look finished. It doesn't yeah. look finished, especially compared, of course, to the Infinity Gauntlet itself, which was so, so beautiful. This, this yeah. looks a little second rate. 
and that's unfortunate because I, I don't think it lives up to the story. The the panel that I, I really like, I think it's page either page fifteen or, or fourteen. There's a panel of Mephisto, and it's yeah. the full height of the page, and it's the but only half the width. And he's got yeah, these little demons. Yeah. It looks like pain and panic is who it looks like yes. hanging on. Yes. Oh my god. It could be some other Hercules, you know? It's yeah. a very popular name. <laughs> if if could be good. So Yeah, we watched I that. I have today. not wrote it. I am a bunny. And I'm his culpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, gotta, I mean, like you look at an artwork like that, and then look at it literally the next panel over. Yeah. And it's like half drawn. Right. There's no like, I mean the colors are good. It's just not there, you know. So, and then the next page of, uh, I mean, of Fisto vomiting fire. It, it just it it looks like somebody. It look, I'll be honest. It looks like something that somebody drew in their notebook and in, in math class, you know, kind of yeah. thing. It's it's again, the art. We're not art we're not trying to take shots at people, but it, no, to be no, honest no, here, it just the, doesn't the, hold up to the standard of 1993. Well, you know? yeah, and, and it doesn't hold up to the the event that this yeah. is into. Right, 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 right. The yeah. art the art is kind so. of the the odd point. Uh, I did. I did like the. Um, I, I I called out the same thing. I, mean, I didn't like. I did call out the same thing in my notes about uh, Surfer backhanding Shallow Ball. Yeah. It's like ah, 1993. You know, you uh, could yeah. not get away with that in. I mean, twice, twice in three pages. You could not get yeah. away with it nowadays. Yeah. So. Even even though she's just as powerful as he is, yeah. you couldn't get away with him just backhanding her. It's not like he's shooting her with like a like an energy beam or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, you probably get away with. Because they're blasting each other back and forth, but to actually just to strike her, it was no. But no. be as it may, um, I thought the story overall was really good. Um, you know, and again, I'm I'm a fan of what ifs. I like the idea of like you know what could have happened differently and whatever. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the cover here. The cover is not bad. I like again, the cover. Little, yeah. You know, the cover. I think the design of the cover is outstanding. I love it with the giant X across it too. Yeah. Um, the Infinity Gauntlet. The uh, um, the powers, you know, crawling and axe. It kind of almost feels like an X Men cover. Um, well, it was '93, but, you know. You got to put that out there. Yeah, you got to get there. Um, <laughs> and I think the cover. I mean, the cover again. Things are a little soft in how they're drawn compared to like maybe the depth you would see in the Infinity Gauntlet. But it's not a bad cover. It's definitely striking. If that's on a on, if that's on a newsstand, you're going to say, well, "What's that?" Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Because it kind of catches your eye. Big Thanos at the bottom there. Right. Um, you know, the uh, again, the artwork was kind of subpar, but. You know, it it didn't hinder the story, which is good. Um, sometimes in life, you know, you can you can uh, hey, have what do you call? It? You know, like it's it's like watching old B movies, you know, kind of thing. You're like, oh, the giant claw looks like a marionette puppet, cause it is, yeah. but it doesn't ruin the movie. It just is. We have to kind of just accept that's what it is, right. you know. So um, I, if I look at it that way, I don't have a problem with it. I I don't know if I don't know if uh, th- this this is this is off topic, but I was flipping around as child surfing the other day. And I got to Comet, and you know okay. Comet—that's the over-the-air science fiction network, you know, right, kind of right, like right, the right. Sci-Fi Channel used to be. And yeah. um, and it said it's alive. I'm like, holy crap, it's alive! I love that movie. And I turned it on. It's the one with Tommy Kirk from 1968. It's like, oh, son of a, not the right version of it's alive. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even the remake. No, it's, it's alive. Not, it's the one. It's the one that's like Ega, except the guys. It, it's not even Richard Keel or and watch right. out for snakes. You know, it's yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of people hate in that movie, but yeah, but it's anyways, not, it's not the it's not the one from '74. It's not even the the, uh, the remake. That's not very good. So <laughs> it's the it's the one. Yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah. not nothing against Tommy Kirk, who also did uh, what he did. Mars needs women, right? Was uh, Tommy Kirk's uh, yeah air quotes up the Mike Big movie, but. Uh, <laughs> 
in any event. So, so uh, you ready to rate this? Yeah. So I got to give it like for the cover, um, the design and everything. It says solid B plus to an A minus cover. I would say um, I like the design. I wish it was a little. I, I mean, I like my covers. Um, you know, I mean, I don't mind that it's it's not busy. You know, kind of thing. It, it works well. I thought I was hoping it was a little tighter because this would make a really cool poster. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of soft for a poster. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the artwork. I don't want to be mean. I bet a, like a C minus. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. You know, still kind of passing, but not quite there. Um, it didn't take away from the story. The story, I think, is an A, straight up A story it's good um yeah i mean i don't know it's as an overall comic it's well worth the time to read and if you can score one of the dollar reprints like luke got for me well worth your time um you know kind of thing uh what's the other one i have to that it overall anything else overall overall um overall i give this uh you know b plus i think the artwork kind of pulls it down it it would be an a probably you know or an a minus kind of thing but I think yeah. the artwork kind of drags it down a little bit. But it's a solid B plus to an A minus. That's still, you know, it still could be like a ninety two on a test. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I think the cover was the cover to me is really striking. It's really good. I like the I like the 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 use of the the black for the star yeah. field. You know, and it, there's some little touches like next to the first off. What if always had the most minimalist logo because there had to be like two other logos usually on the cover. And so I always like the very minimalist "what if" logo with the with the blue bar on yeah. it, you know, or or the colored bar. In this case, it's it's kind of a dark blue. And uh, uh, flanking the Infinity Gauntlet, we get both versions of Death from the Infinity Gauntlet. We get the you know the cute girl, goth girl version of Death, and then the skull face version of Death that you know that yeah. Jim Starlin so right, famously right, right, did back right, right. in the day in. Uh, um, the original, the first, the first, not, not the first Thanos story from Iron Man, but the first big Thanos story with, uh, with the cosmic cube and all that, that's that famous, I think it's like, I think it's like, uh, 12 panels or something where we see death turning around and she's cute. She starts as cute girl and turns around as a skull face. And it's, it's just a classic Starlin image. So that kind of reminded me of that, but I like that all the players are here because even though Captain America is on the cover, he does in fact make a cameo in the story. Uh, based on yeah, his, with his shield it's, coming all back together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh but you know with with Mephisto and Adam Warwick, I really like the cover. I gave the cover an A. I think it's one of the yeah. best covers from the What If series. And right. you know, Thanos looks great on this cover as well. So it it really does does sell it. But I'm I'm with you. The interior art really is is just not up to par. There's there's too many just awkward poses, too many pieces of awkward anatomy, and too much of just uh, just not you know, not pages, not looking complete, you know, no backgrounds right. or very minimalist backgrounds and, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I gave the interior art a C minus the, the story I thought was really solid. I really liked the story, which is, uh, I gave the story a, a B plus. And then overall I give the, I gave the book a B it's, it's, uh, if you find this, like, so you find this in a cheap bin or you find the dollar reprint by all means, pick it up, especially if you like the infinity gauntlet or like the solar yeah. surfer, it's, it's definitely worth getting. Yeah. This is a good yeah, one. It's 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 a good read. I mean, uh, to be honest, this is what Endgame could have been. Um, you know, they could yeah. have been like, "Hey, let's get the thing off them," you know, yeah. kind of thing. But uh, no, no, it's okay. We'll give you three hours of trying to make you feel horrible about yourself. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> Jay, come on, you can't badmouth that dude. Oh my god, it's like the best movie ever. Like, it's long. I'll give you that. <laughs> It's long. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I could think of is, I know, I know you are a fan of diners, drive-ins, and dives. Oh yeah, with Guy Fieri. 
Triple and, D, uh, man. When they're eating the at the Haitian restaurant, and uh, <laughs> the woman makes the the pig ear, yeah, and it's a pig ear sandwich. That is tender. That is tender. <laughs> I'm like, it's so true, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed the movie, but literally, I'm sitting here going, "Return of the King" is three hours, and that movie friggin' nails you to your seat. And you're just like, what are we? This is insane. Like, it was just so hyped. So, okay. So, I, and again, I know we're getting off field, but I, I said this to dad. And I said, you got, I got to put this out there in the world. And people can disagree. And it's okay. Because you know what? You, are, you have every right to be wrong with your opinion. Um, so, if Marvel and Disney, this is Disney, right? If they had said, hey, Endgame comes out. Let's make it Christmas Day. Make it easy, right? Christmas Day, we're dropping this. What's the next movie coming out? Well, we got Aladdin, we got Lion King, we got Dumbo. No, no, what's the next Marvel movie? There's no more Marvel movies. It's Endgame. It's the end. Yeah. We got Dumbo, we have this, that's what we're doing now. We have, we have a new Toy Story. No, 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 but what's the next Marvel movie? What are you not understanding? This is called Endgame. It's the end. Yeah. And literally, don't put anything else out until the day it drops and people start seeing it. And then you say, oh, by the way, Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out here. Spider -Man, da -da 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 -da, and start listing all the other movies. Instead of telling us way before it happens, oh, don't worry, Spider-Man Homecoming is happening. Well, sorry. And again, if you haven't seen Infinity War by now, come on. Even I've seen it, right? right. They kill half of everybody who has a movie coming up. Right. Kind of thing, you know? Well, like, you know, they, 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 did, they did that to a point where, you know, the Russo, everyone gave... Every, um, and it's so it's so typical of of MCU fans, especially on like Twitter, where it's like <laughs> you know, the, cult, the cult of the MCU on Twitter. Uh, but they, uh, you know, they they gave so much cover for the Russos because Russos came out and said, "Look, we're going to put a two week moratorium on putting spoilers, so please don't post spoilers for two weeks." And then it was like, "Look how great they are! They love the fans. They love they they're the ones that love everything. They're the ones that love the fans." Talk about missing them, you know. But uh, yeah. they get up walk and walk away, away every <laughs> single time. <laughs> don't time. you walk away from me, Daniel? But uh, so they're like, oh, "Look how look how much they care. They don't want people to get spoiled. They want to give people a." fair chance to see the movie they're not letting saying two weeks no spoilers no spoilers and then it came out do you do you know what what dropped the day that the spoiler ban lifted the homecoming are they far far from trailer it's like yeah, yep they didn't play, want people exactly. saying oh because this was that that trailer give you know uh spoils a lot of stuff from endgame and it so does it's like so it's like oh well we can't that that was the only reason they were told Make, you know, to, to make sure people don't spoil this because otherwise it's going to spoil our Spider-Man movie and our Spider-Man right. trailer. So it's right. like, don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, you, you, we've said, this, don't, don't spit in my face and tell me it's raining. Okay. Right. Don't, don't assign virtue to capitalism because there is no virtue in capitalism. Okay. Capitalism right. is capital. I love capitalism and I applaud the Russos for doing something like this to engender goodwill, but they weren't doing it to engender goodwill. They were doing it yeah. to make money. Right. And that's okay. I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. Like, is is this? Is that if that had been what they said, you know, no, it's it, it's it. Because you know me, I believe that. Like, I believe everything's a work. Everything yeah. in life, to me, I think is a work. I think everyone's always working you. Everyone's got an angle. Everyone's trying to get over on you because that's what ninety five percent of what life is is someone trying to get themselves over at your expense. Yeah. That would totally have worked here because oh, yeah. people would be like, you know what? That's not fair. Who's going to say that? Well, I'm not going anymore. 
Bullarkey, you are gonna go. You are certainly hey, gonna hey, go. You want hey, watch the salty language. This is a failed <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to keep it clean, it's not the vault. Um, you know, kind of thing. But it's true, but like there's no way in the world people are like, Well, I'm not gonna go see the next whatever movie. You are gonna go see it, right? Trust me, at the end of Toy Story Three, when it rips your heart out. You're not like, I'm never watching a Toy Story again. You all went and saw four. Shut up. Right? You know, kind of thing. Like, you, no, no matter what happened at the end of Endgame, literally, no matter what happened at the end, you are going to go see the next one. Right. And, and, I, and this is somebody, I haven't, to be honest, I have, I have, I don't, I have not seen Doctor Strange. I have not seen Homecoming. Uh, uh, I, I saw Captain Marvel, finally. Um, and, like, I finally saw, I, I mean, to me, it's like, I could care less i could not care less about these movies at all i'll watch them sure but it's not like oh my god i have to see it first weekend i don't care about spoilers i don't care about any of that stuff but to me the opportunity to just set up an entire like not just country just across the world like yeah. oh no it's over oh no it's it's death of superman man why did death of superman work so beautifully because they told us he was dead right <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and we bought hook, line, and sinker as kids into that, right? Oh, my God, Sue has to hold us a copy. Please, we're coming. We're coming right now. Hold us a copy. You got to put that copy. They're worthless. Those well, things are no, worthless. That, that's, that's not true. Superman 75 is not worthless, but it is no. not, it's not putting anybody through college. No, but remember, it was like, this is the, this, I'm going to get the 10 of these issues, and I'm going to yeah. be rich the rest of my life. It's, right. like, it's like everyone, I'm going to buy every Beanie Baby ever. There's like a couple Beanie Babies that are worth money, and that's about it, right? Yeah. It, but it's not, it's not like you're talking about, uh, you know, um, Action Comics number one sitting in your, you know, minting your, you could, you know, you're rich the rest of your life on that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or Detective Comics, whatever, you know? The idea being is, this literally, there's not nothing like that it, you could totally have set it up and the buzz you can't buy that kind of buzz yeah right what is what does eric bishop always say lou controversy it's, creates controversy cash creates cash and oh it doesn't matter and the other the other one to remember for that is it doesn't matter whether they love you or hate you as long as they feel something where you don't want to be and that that is very true about marvel comics yeah. lately as well it seems so yeah i mean <laughs> as long as someone's talking about you whether it's good or bad, you you're you're on you know you're you're in there, and 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 I know Disney wanted to like whatever, but I think but that's fine, and I'm not here to bash Disney or anything else. But I'm saying like, man, you had an, a chance to totally like get over on people because I myself would say it's a work. There's going to be more movies. It's yeah. a work. This is a multi-billion-dollar movie. You're not going to not have another one. It's a work, and people would say you're crazy. They're saying it's the end. It's not a work. <laughs> well, guess what? Yeah. And also Brett screwed Brett. So just throwing yeah. it out there. And so um, we should get the other book because we're getting well, far afield. Well, yeah, but Brett did screw Brett. I think we all know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, in, it's in a documentary. So yeah. they said it in a movie. It must be true, right? So. Oh, uh, <laughs> and on TV. Uh, yeah, on TV. But uh, in any event, it's funny you're talking about uh, buying books um, to put people through college that uh, now you can find very cheaply because I've got. I, you know, it's funny because uh, we were we were tapped to do a um, uh, assistant editors month for Back to the Bins, and I knew I knew deep down you would either bring a Punisher book or a What If. So I was like, okay, that as soon as you came back, it's like, oh, I picked it out. It's like the What If, and I'm like, yep, there we go, that's on toy. So well, I I'm gonna like, be honest with you. Literally, they were sitting in front of me, and yeah. you had just sent up a bunch of comics. <laughs> And I almost said, "How about this Misty comic?" Yeah. Um, you know, and because that was the other one in the pile, I said, "Ooh, oh no, God. wait, this is more topical." 
Yeah. We should talk about uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. The Misty <laughs> book we do need to cover. That have you read the Misty comic? I have not read them all yet. Oh no. my god, they are they are hilarious. I started reading the actually, first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they like so, but for for folks that may not be aware of it, the Mystery Science Theater three thousand comic is a six issue mini put out by Dark Horse, and they actually riff old comics, like not <laughs> like not like yeah. uh, like like not talking over them, but like Tom and Mike and Crow are inserted into old public domain comics, and they are now yeah. part of the story. It they are it is hilarious. It is yeah, it's hilarious. it's certainly not for everybody, but no. it's funny as heck. Well, what's funny uh, is that is that like uh, they later on they they start getting like they have a like a, a teen like a teen book like teen uh, yeah, Johnny Jake right, teen right, report, right. and then they've got the the original uh, Black Cat who was like a female good girl superhero, and they right. have Horrific, which was an anthology horror book. I've read issues of Horrific on <laughs> uh, comicbookplus.com, which is the site I use for public domain comics. I've read issues of those. I'm like, I know Horrific. That's a great book, <laughs> but they they give it. There, there is, uh, it, and it's typical Misty that every joke will will impact you differently, and some people will love certain riffs, yeah. and other right. ones will go will go right past them. There is one in one of the issues they do of horrific, involving um, there that they, this guy has this widow has hired these two guys to move all these like move this stuff, and they're dressed like the Mario right. Brothers. Why did I hire them? <laughs> why did I hire the Mario Brothers to move this stuff? I was like, oh, it's a me on my back. But again, this, I'm reading this in bed. Jesus, my wife's like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I'm like, "You don't get it. They look like the Mario Brothers." But again, but isn't that the whole idea with Misty? Like, there's people who just don't get it. Yeah. Like, no matter what, they just don't get it. Like, Dad hates Misty with a passion. Yes, but there's yeah. things we do that we just do in everyday life that Dad's like, "You guys are nuts." But it's from Misty, so he would yeah. hate it, but he doesn't know that. Like, yeah. you know. um, but it's but it's like I always said it was like look because Haley does that stuff Haley will say things from Misty all the time and n- not even realize that she's doing it she didn't even know where things are from yeah and it's just Fisher so nuts. funny yeah, yeah. Fisher. The, the one, uh, every the time one. good lord yeah. every time Dad opens a can of soda you, <laughs> if, if if Haley if your niece is there you hear this Fisher <laughs> you know kind of thing like, and, and like and Dad, that's like, what are you doing that's not that's, even you know, that's, yeah. that's like second season or third season. Yeah. That's well, not even she a... heard me. She heard me do it. Right. You know? yeah. Well, you know, well, her, favorite, yeah, ep- like her my... favorite episode is, is still, um, uh, uh, war of the colossal beast. That is her oh, absolute God. favorite episode of all time. Oh. She has watched that episode. Like, I mean, I had to buy it on Amazon. I own it my, on DVD. <laughs> I had to buy it on Amazon because she's like, I want to buy this. And I'm like, it's like four 99 to rent or literally four 99 to buy. I just bought it. And oh. she has watched it dozens and she still cackles at it that, she, she oh. actually does the entire episode she'll do all the skits i was gonna She's say like, uh war of the colossal beast that is that kitla yeah and kitla <laughs> is there all right let's work it now that's that's the the taco rita yeah. like she literally she literally has named <laughs> a, a dinner she's like dad what are we having i go we're gonna have tacos can i have a nacho dia that's like she's like where'd you get that from she goes i want to put nachos and tortillas together make a nacho dia like she literally took that from an episode of misty so oh, the, the the one the, the misty bit that is the most popular in my house because especially my my oldest boy loves science and chemistry yeah and uh, so the sodium song oh yeah. is it's beloved and every time we listen to it he goes they didn't tell us anything about sodium they just said sodium over and over <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the point, man. But they love yeah. the sodiums. In any event, not we're, again. We're not covering Misty. Um, we are we are sticking actually in the '90s, which makes sense for um, two guys that uh, did a majority of their growing up in the '90s. So uh, uh, that's okay. Yeah, but um, uh, it, it's funny actually. I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to aside. We were watching uh, F- uh, Freeform, which is former ABC Family. Oh yeah, and they were advertising the 30 that's days. Watched, Halloween. That's how we watched Hercules today. That's how we watched Hercules today too, because we because we have because we're Love dads Hercules. on a Saturday, and it's like Christ. Yeah. I need, I need, I need to kill about an hour while I make dinner. Here, let's watch Hercules. Yay! I love Hercules. You that, mean Hercules. Hercules? <laughs> I don't know. I think they look kind of dashing. <laughs> you were wearing his merchandise. But anyway. Um, so they had the commercial uh-huh. for 31 Days of Halloween, right? And yep. they got all the yep. usual suspects. They got yep. Hocus and the Nightmare Before Christmas. They got a shot from Scream in there. I bet you Scream on. Well, but it's like it's like really scream is on thirty one days of Halloween. Yeah. Isn't that a bit a bit out of out of the the line for Hocus Pocus and Nightmare Before Christmas? And and my yeah. oldest my oldest daughter, she goes, "Well, what is Scream?" I said, "Scream is a horror movie." I said, "But Scream is," I said, "You can watch Scream when you're a teenager." I said, "I was a teenager when it came out, and that's when I watched it." I said, "But I don't I know agree. if Scream's going to make a lot of sense because Scream is so about the 1990s." Yeah, it's it so is about the, the 90s. 90s. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so funny because like it's a movie that was so so important at its time, and yet so 1990s. <laughs> yeah, but that but that that was part of it is that it was yeah. so 90s. Yeah, it's like you so know it's meta funny at the time too. Well, you know, I've talked about uh, you and I have talked about this. You know, it's like yeah. uh, all those all those teen movies from the yeah. 90s that we saw kind of you know we had saw it in the 80s and we saw it in the 90s and we saw it even in the 2000s like the the super bad and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. but uh, the ones in the 90s i've we've often had a debate those of us growing up at the time which one of these 90s high school movies was the one that either was the most iconic or the most representative or all that and to me if you're looking at the straight ones the non genre ones it's always been to me bring it on because bring it on has just the nastiness mm-hmm. of the 90s the way that the pe- the way the girls treat each other and all that in that movie, but really can't hardly wait's pretty good too. Can't hardly wait is definitely up there as well. But scream that has tops everything. Scream, oh no, scream is it? Scream, yeah, yeah. scream, scream is, is the one that is the nineties. I mean, you yes. look at it, it's like that was nineties. That was life in high school in the nineties, right there. Yes, it was. It really was. So yeah, <laughs> if you had to throw out the horror ones though, to me, can't hardly wait. Pretty much encapsulate everything because you have everything at that party. So well, I bet um, doing that, I'm wearing the cowboy hat. <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. I'm not wearing thirty the- minutes. Yeah, yeah. Thirty don't minutes later, they found a bathroom and, and uh, made up. So, <laughs> but, anyway. uh, but we're talking about the nineties. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't have a good song for the nineties. Like my friend Adam does for the eighties. Let's do a lot of Coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. But, uh, so in the nineties, we're, we're going to jump over to the publisher. One of the publishers I feel is, um, extremely underrepresented on back to the bins. And I've talked about this before. Um, you know, we, we typically on a bit episode of back to the bins, if you have all three, you get a Marvel and a DC and then an independent and that independent can range very far and wide but the one that almost never seems to get any love is valiant which is my favorite comics publisher for the last mm, probably decade or so and uh and and i love valiant comics i'm a big fan of their stuff i love that they're a comics forward comics first company not media first company unlike you know the the ip farms at uh, warner brothers and disney comics i mean uh, dc and marvel comics so um 
so I'm jumping back into the 90s. I have brought Eternal Warrior number five, published by Valiant, cover date of December 1992. The on-sale date uh, was on or about September 8th, 1992. This information, of course, comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics at mikesamazingworld.com. Our, uh, our uh, cover features, uh, it has the Eternal Warrior logo, and it says featuring Bloodshot in small letters, and it has uh, Bloodshot in the background wrecking up some uh, some gangster dudes, and uh, the uh, Gilead, the Eternal Warrior, in the front, uh, opening fire full automatic with his, uh, it was like a submachine gun that he's got there. Uh, cool cover, I like, the, I like the lighting on Gilead's face there from the muzzle flash of the, uh, of the gun. Uh, cover is by uh, Joe, uh, Joe St. Pierre and uh, John mm-hmm. Dixon doing the, the inking. Um, our story is entitled The Blood is the Life, and our writer is Kevin Van Hook, who did lots of stuff for, for Valiant. Uh, that is the vast majority of his many, many credits was writing for Valiant. He wrote Eternal Warrior, he wrote Solar, wrote Bloodshot. Um, he also wrote Ninjak. He was uh, very much associated with Ninjak later on in his career, but, also, but Bloodshot is the one that most people know him for. And uh, he has done some stuff for um, for for DC. Most recently, uh, he did. Um, there was a miniseries called Weird Worlds back in 2011. It mm-hmm. was an anthology. He wrote the Lobo strip. Uh, that oh, was okay, that's that, cool. Yeah that that book also featured um, Garbage Man and uh, Tanga, and so okay. it was two, basically two original characters, and then Lobo, and then uh, the sequel to Weird Worlds was My Greatest Adventure which had a robot man story and then continued these stories for garbage man and Tanga. Uh, I, I like those. Nobody ever seemed to care about them because this, this was right, right a few months after the launch of the new 52 and they were just completely lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But, uh, they, they were, they were neat stuff, but any event, yeah, it's hard in the new 52. And and after that launch, it was hard to kind of get noticed. Yeah. Especially if you, if were you not, weren't, you know, if you, yeah, even, yeah. even I mean, certain books in the new 52, if they weren't part of the, um, the the Grant Morrison Superman or yep, Jeff Johns yep, Justice yep, League yep. circles they kind of, a lot of them got overlooked in there. Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, but I said our story is well, called. I read those. Yeah, well, you know, I mean that that's <laughs> I, I mean I, I like too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, it's funny. Getting... One of my, I mean, I I get I get griefed out by um, by a lot of people online. But one of my favorite books out of the New Fifty Two was Omac by Dan Dio yeah. and Keith Giffen because it was like, hey, we're going to do a Jack Kirby book, only we're going to do it in 2011. And it was bananas. It was crazy, you know. Was, was that when Booster Gold got his own book and stuff? Or was yeah. that before? Right around that time, Booster got his own book. Because Booster Gold was like the greatest superhero of all time that you never heard of. Yeah, that that, 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 that version of Booster was right before the New 52. That was part oh, of okay. the Flashpoint. That great story yeah. for that. I was um, like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, me, me and my friends, Adam and Joe, we're at Heroes Con, right? Um, it's right around there. It's right after uh, Blackest Night, right during uh, Brightest Day. Oh, Blackest Night. Oh, my God. It was killer. Good shit. I remember going and getting mm-hmm. an issue on my lunch break and going and reading it in my office. That's how much I couldn't wait to read it. But anyway, oh, man. They, they were we were good. at Heroes Con, and that Booster Gold series is ongoing. And we're at DC yeah. Nation, we're at the panel, right? And guy and, and we open up the questions and Dan is answering questions and uh, um, and and he goes okay what's your question and a guy in the back goes hey what if what if Rip Hunter is Booster Gold's dad and dead silence Whoa. fell throughout the the room and Dan Dio just goes next question <laughs> moves on <laughs> because the guy oh. was almost dead on it was the opposite Booster is Rip Hunter's dad 
Right. So right. it was, but it's like he nailed it, and it's like he had yeah. nothing. So he just said, "Next question." <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to Dan. I've met him a few times because you know Franco and stuff like that. He, if he doesn't have something for you, yeah, he got nothing for you. Well, but, but it's he, like he's, I he's not gonna lie. He couldn't say anything, right? So right. I, I do like Dan Adio. He's a good guy. Yeah. But, uh, in any event, so um, the story. Our and, eternal, eternal, and he's definitely taller than Jeff Johns because I met him too. Oh and God. Franco goes, "See that guy?" And I'm like, "You mean the little guy?" He goes, "With the six, literally, there's six people around him." Yeah. Frank goes, "That's Jeff Johns." I go, "The little guy?" He goes, "Yeah." yeah. I go, "Oh, that's his bodyguard." Frank goes, "Yep." And like <laughs> it was literally the the people who work for DC who was with him, like his not his handlers because he wasn't like you know it's not like like no, you know it's uh, not talent pros yeah but he but it was at Comic Con and he was walking around and it was like his little posse that had like they were like everything he said they were like yes Jeff yes Jeff and I'm like he comes over he goes like hey Franco already what's going on and I'm like this guy yeah this is the guy <laughs> this guy like I could not believe really? it. I'm like this guy really really this is the guy who eventually is gonna like you know fix everything. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, do whatever you want. The best is the story. What do you call it? Franco said it to me. He was talking. He was talking to Jeff Johns because they had a like. Uh, okay, so the t- t- tiny uh, t- the tiny Titans are technically in in the universe. They exist for reals, right? right? Kind of thing. They're on their own world and whatever kind of thing, right? So, so Franco's on the phone with Jeff having this conversation, and it's like uh, he's like, so he had to call him back and just like, oh yeah, sorry, dude, I had to run across the street to Seven Eleven get a burrito. Like Franco goes. <laughs> What? He goes, yeah, dude, I'm hungry. And he's in Cali. So Frank was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's like, you know, it's like six o'clock there because it's like midnight or 10 o'clock here, whatever kind of thing. Right. And it just was funny. He's like, yeah. So I was thinking and he's like his entire apartment is like it looks like a conspiracy theorist house. Like there's just (laughs) things everywhere. And he has tied together the entire freaking universe that no one could tame. He's like, "Okay, I got it. I got it. And I was like, this guy? Like literally, like Dad and I walked past him like six times. We didn't know who he was. You wouldn't notice, yeah. You wouldn't yeah, recognize. No, him. you didn't know what he I was. I guarantee like. you this: Randy Bowen, who I've met, you know who Randy Bowen is. Why? Because he'll tell you who he is. I'm Randy Bowen. I'm Randy Bowen. Who do you <laughs> think you are? Okay, met Randy Bowen. I wasn't even trying to meet Randy Bowen. I literally was going into class to see my buddy. Uh, he was sculpting. I walked in, and he goes, "Hey, how's it going, Randy Bowen?" I'm like, "Oh, oh, hot, nice to meet you, Mr. Bowen. I love your work." He's like, want a picture? I'm like, uh, sure. And somebody took a picture of us together, not with my phone or anything, literally just another picture. I'm like, that's awesome. Thanks. And I kept walking over to Tony. I go, this been like this all day? He goes, all day, dude. All day. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, like, he's like Tony Stark if he was a real person. So yeah. I think, like, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bowen, that was a lot. So anyway, so let's get to this book because let's get there's to a this cover book. with a guy with guns. There's a cover we couldn't have nowadays. Uh, right. Well, you know, you might could. You might could. I can tell you no, that. It's that's one. Lasers, it's bullets. Well, but it's Valiant, though. So it's Valiant's a little yeah. bit different some of this stuff. It's like you know, Punisher. Well, but you know the the Galad Galad nowadays you more often see him with his axe than than with his with a with a weapon, but he with a firearm. But he is well versed in in all of the uh, all all forms of combat. Just a little bit of background, real quick. Eternal Warrior is the, one of the three immortal brothers uh, from uh, in Valiant Comics. His brothers are Ivar the Time Walker and Aram, also known as Armstrong. Uh, he is uh, as the Eternal Warrior. He is destined to 
always be reborn every time he dies to defend the Geomancer, who is basically the wizard that speaks for the Earth, that the Earth speaks through the Geomancer. And he, he, the Eternal Warrior's job is to forever protect the Geomancer. So he has been alive since ancient Mesopotamian times and has seen everything and done everything. So let's get into our story. So we open in the year of our Lord, 1497, at the height of the Spanish Inquisition. And Galad is being uh, held by the Inquisition, and he is uh, being brought up on charges that he made a deal with Satan. Is it Satan? To, uh, to, extend, to extend his life. And uh, Galad is able to escape when they, uh, they tie him to the stake and light the, all the thrash on fire. He is able to escape, and he beats the crap out of all of the Inquisitors <laughs> and, uh, and walks out. And he suspects that that the reason why they were uh, that the Inquisitors wanted him was not so much for his supposed crimes against uh, against the Church, but perhaps to find out what makes him tick and what his secret for eternal life was. We then cut to what was then the modern day, which is uh, <laughs> 1992 in Los Angeles, specifically July 1st. 1992 in Los Angeles. It does has a, a, a specific date and timestamp. This was a uh, pretty much universal aspect of all Valiant comics was that they were very strict on continuity and they would tell you exactly when the story took place. And Galad is on the ground in a prone position and Bloodshot is standing over him with a uh, with an automatic uh, uh, pistol pointed right at him. But Galad jumps up and grabs the pistol out of his hand. The two decide to talk and Bloodshot wasn't expecting this, so he's taken it back. Bloodshot tells him a little bit about his story, about how Project Rising Spirit created him, who replaced all his blood with intelligent nanites to turn him into an assassin on a weapon of war. But now he has broken free, and he is waging a war against Project Rising Spirit. And he advises Galad that PRS has a file on him, and they consider him dangerous. And he just wanted to give him uh, the information on this. As they are making their way out of uh, into the parking garage where... Bloodshot's car is parked, they are attacked by men in a sedan who open fire on them. And they give a short chase through the parking lot where Bloodshot drives off of a uh, second-story railing, crashes down to the street below, and they start tearing through the streets. Eventually, they get enough distance that uh, Bloodshot tells Galad uh, that he can he can jump out from here and that he'll take care of it. Uh, so Galad... Um, Makes a makes a break for it and then hails a taxi. Well, the Project Rising Spirit guys are not quite done, and they are now attacked <laughs> a lot in the taxi. Yeah, much to the poor taxi, uh, the cabbie's chagrin. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you're doing, Webhead, make it fast. This guy's making Swiss cheese out of this door. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so Galad gets his um, gets his gauntlets on his uh, spiked gauntlet. He's already wearing his uh, his uh, armored up leather jacket. Uh, he punches his way through the roof of the cab. And then attacks the uh, the men that are set up on an overpass to ambush him. He uh, he wrecks the crap out of these guys. He te- he gets shot a couple of times. Gets shot uh, right in his uh, in his left shoulder, right above the armor over that uh, on his leather jacket. He wears armor up at, up his left arm, and uh, actually that's a a look that he wears in just about every era he's in. And so he wrecks these guys up, and he's able to uh, to make his getaway. He helps the cabbie. <clears throat> he goes to the um, uh, a local branch of the London Bank. At this point, Galad is a freelance kind of uh, problem solver. I prefer the term problem eliminator for uh, MI6. So he is actually being paid by the British government, which is why he goes to the bank of uh, uh, the London Bank to um, give this cabbie some money. And the cabbie says that he's gonna he's gonna buy a new cab and go back to New York because LA is crazy. Yep. Uh, 
So uh, Galad looks up an old acquaintance whose name is Jessica, uh, who is at home with her her uh, her son. Uh, she was a medic that he met in Grenada back in the '80s, and now she has a uh, a life of her own. And uh, she patches him up, she kicks the bullet out of him, and uh, sews him up, and they they catch up for a little bit. And she, um, you know, she she tells him that look, she doesn't have uh, long to live because she has uh, leukemia, and, or excuse me, has lymphoma, and she's terminal. And so yeah. she tells him that, you know, you need to keep track of the people that you care about because they're not always going to be there when you go come calling. And Galad gets, uh, you know, kind of morose as he does from time to time, thinking about all the people that he's lost, that he's cared about, all the loved ones and family that he has seen get old and die. And he has stayed young because he's been alive for so long. A very common refrain for right. So... After he gets patched up and he feels better, he goes out to uh, hunt down. He's looking for where he's trying to find Bloodshot because he knows Bloodshot's still on the hunt. He finds Bloodshot's car, and uh, Bloodshot is laying siege to this warehouse where these uh, PRS guys are uh, holed up. And Bloodshot wrecks some guys up. He hits one guy with a hook and t- with a block and tackle, which is awesome. And yeah. uh, then he actually uses his sword to deflect a couple of uh, a couple of shots from a submachine gun. Um, but Bloodshot is then then ambushed. They have a RPG that they're going to shoot him with, and that would probably even kill Bloodshot. So Galad makes his entrance, crashing through the skylight like Batman from 1989. Uh, he wrestles the RPG away and blows up the the uh, PRS guy's van in a big explosion. Um, Bloodshot uh, and Galad are the o- apparently the only survivors, at least the only people injured enough to talk, and. Um, uh, Galad uh, gives Bloodshot a piece of the a uh, piece of intelligence that he found while fighting the guys. The name Iwatsu says, "I don't know if that means anything to you." Bloodshot says, "It might be nothing, but at this point, it's the only lead I've got." And Bloodshot heads off into the night because he has no recollection of his of his former life or why PRS did this to him. So that's his mission. And as he watches him leave, Galad thinks to himself, "I don't know who I pity more: the man who can't remember, or the one who can't forget." So. uh I, I, I picked this one, first off, because uh, I wanted to do a Valiant book, and Eternal Warrior was always my favorite Valiant book. Uh, really liked the character Galad, and he has become one of my favorite modern characters as well, not just a 90s character. Uh, Bloodshot is in this. Um, we've been seeing a lot of Bloodshot news lately because the Bloodshot movie is uh, the first uh, Valiant movie that is coming out. It's coming out next year, starring Vin Diesel as Bloodshot, and this is, yeah, a, uh, this is coming from Sony. It's a big budget, um, uh, you know, should be an R-rated affair if it's Bloodshot. But uh, And I figured this would be one that, again, was a done-in-one, and I wanted to avoid superheroics. That was part of it also. Uh, Galad and Bloodshot, neither of them I qualify as superheroes. They're more warriors, yeah. I would say. Right. You know, they're guys that, that fight and, uh, and, and, and are not, they're not necessarily out to necessarily save anyone at any given time. They are always on the mission. The mission is all that is important, so... Um, I really like this. It's it's a kind of a, a prototypical Eternal Warrior story. Uh, the use of the flashback at the beginning was very common for the first year or so of Eternal Warrior, uh, especially when they were doing a lot of these one and two part stories. Um, and then, so the use of the flashback back to the, uh, the the Spanish Inquisition, where he remembers another time where somebody maybe wanted to find out what made him tick. <clears throat> and then um, the other thing I, I liked about this is, again, very typical for for Valiant of this era is that they were shooting for a more realistic style. So one thing you notice, there are no sound effects anywhere in this book. And that right. was again, yeah, a yeah. common thing for Valiant is they did not do sound effects. 
So, uh, so this, this, this is a just, it's not, not a real deeper story, kind of just an introduction for Bloodshot. The two would cross paths on and off over the years. Uh, Bloodshot was introduced after Unity, so he was not part of Unity. So they did not interact like most of the other Valiant Universe characters did in that series. Uh, so it was just a way to get the two kind of warriors introduced to each other. So what did you think of this one, Joe? Uh, it was, it was good. It was weird. I mean, not like weird, like, oh my God, like this was like, it was so not a superhero book. So I was like, oh, okay, this is, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Punisher kind of stuff, the way it was yes. drawn, the way it kind of like goes about it. And, um, I like the artwork, the artwork's sweet, you know, kind of thing. It's like, but it's very nineties artwork. I feel like it's not so super stylized. It's like straightforward. Here's what it is. And it's the artwork all looks good. The, you know, the colors look good. Um, I like to use a shadow in certain parts where it's important and stuff. Um, but I, at the same time, I didn't feel like the uh, the artist was trying to like you know reinvent the wheel constantly. You know, it just it felt like a nice solid issue um, for two guys who have no idea who they are. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't like oh my god, I can't figure this out. Like they were pretty straightforward. Like okay, this is clearly this guy can't die or he dies and comes back. Um, someone wants him dead. This other guy's kind of a good guy, I guess. You know, kind of thing. Like I have nothing. I have no idea who Bloodshot is at all. So yeah. um, well, Bloodshot at least good. does. He did, Bloodshot at least does tell you his deal at that point. Yes, right. But I'm saying, like, I'm looking at this, like, I'm like, okay, like, then the cover, you're like, okay, these guys definitely working together, you know, kind of thing. Like, they look like they're a team, but I don't think they're like a team all the time, you know, kind of, you kind of just, you know, get, you know, gauge that from the cover. Like, these guys might be working together, whatever. But I thought it was really cool. You know, it was, uh, it's not a book I'd ever would have read if you didn't say, let's read it for the show, yeah, you know, which is right. good. So I got to read something I never would have read before. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely, that definitely has a 90s feel, though. Oh, yeah. Um, the hair alone on the cover yeah. says 1990s, <laughs> I think, uh, his giant, like, you know, punk rocker hair kind of like all, you know, flowing. And then bloodshot looks like, I swear to God, I think he stole, um, Grace Jones's haircut from, uh, Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> he's even got like the lightning bolt <laughs> shaved into it. You know, he you does. don't get more nineties than having the thing shaved into your, into yeah. your crew cut. Right. So, right. <laughs> But it was good. It was a good book. I thought, you know, I thought the action was handled well. I thought everything looked like, like it looked in, like, you know, not out of place. Everything was kind of like boom, 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 made sense. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's again, the whole idea that the guy can, you know, do all the things he can do. You know, he's, but he's not like a superhero, superhero. So he's not, he can't fly and can't whatever. So it makes sense. It's yeah. It's good, man. It's hey, this is the kind of stuff. This is like in the '90s, the early '90s. I was reading Punisher and stuff. This is the kind of right. stuff that I would have read. Well, that so. that was one of the reasons I brought. It. I figured I said this to you on Messenger earlier today. I said Bloodshot's from the Punisher school. Yeah. You know? So the idea of and and Galad is to an extent too. Galad does has a bit more supernatural stuff to him as the book goes on. But the uh, just the idea that these are, like I said they're. I, I I liken it always to Cable running X Force, yeah. right? Like right? The right, mission right. is all that matters, you know. Yeah. The 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 rest of it is the rest of it is a distraction from the mission. That's kind of what these guys are like, and and they are two important characters in the modern Valiant. I'd go as far as to say possibly Bloodshot is the most important character in the modern Valiant, just because of some of the high profile stuff he's gotten. Jeff Lemire, who is you know a lot of people may not realize that Jeff Lemire wrote uh, Bloodshot for like almost three years, I think just, um, you know, play, wrote bloodshot USA and then the follow-up, um, the mini series and stuff like that. That was very well received and very good stuff. And, right. uh, Galad, he's more, he's had, uh, two 
solo titles at um, the Modern Valiant, but he's mostly a character that shows up in everybody else's book because, again, he's just been around for so long and knows so many people that he gets called in a lot to deal with stuff. So uh, right. th- this this is a book that I've, I said, I read, I, I read, I remember reading this and I read like Shadow Man and Eternal Warrior and a little bit of Archer and Armstrong and Magnus Robot Fighter and that kind of stuff in the 90s. But I've built up almost a complete run of Eternal Warrior out of just the dollar bins and cheap bins over the years, right. just because these Valiant books are, with the exception of what we call the, the pre-Unity books, which are the the really early ones that were published before Unity number zero. Uh, most right. of these books are easy to find. So when I and you know it's yeah. funny, uh, Professor, and I've often advised him. I said, look, if you find a Valiant book in the quarter bin, buy it because they were designed usually to be read, even if they're part of a larger story. Usually they can be read on their own. You know, right? And 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 so that, but this this one happens to be a, a done in one. So I, I I enjoyed this. It was fun to revisit this. And I like I always like an excuse to break out some old Valiant. I need to do a uh, a full reading project for uh, the original Valiant over on um, uh, John Wilson, his show, uh, All the Pouches, where he has been taking a chronological look at the at the at Image Comics from the launch, like starting right. with Blood Number One. I mean, you don't get much, you know, literally from yeah. the beginning. He and I we covered all of Deathmate on that series, and. Right. He, he brought me in for that. He said, look, I need someone who knows old school Valiant and who would be willing to do this. And I said, oh, I'll gladly do that. I love old school Valiant. And I had not read about half of Deathmate. And I had the half I had read, I hadn't read since 1993. So, right. you know, right. so that, that kind of got the, the juices flowing a little bit for the Valiant stuff again. And uh, I said, the modern Valiant is, is a month in and month out, with rare exception, usually my favorite books. I mean, now they've got a lot of competition just because the Venom stuff has been so good. It's like, yes, Luke, you're reading Venom and Valiant. We get it. It's the 90s all over again. Right, right, right. <laughs> Have a good. surge. So, yeah. yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When I was down in uh, Atlanta over the summer, we went to the World of Coke, and what do they got on tap? In the surge, baby. Surge. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. yeah. You also have Fanta Exotic, which is my personal favorite. That is That stuff is great. Uh, okay. It, it, it's it's a it's a Fanta fruit punch, but it's not oh, like the fan, okay. it's not like Fanta fruit punch that you get in, in the freestyle fountain. It's right. got a little bit more kick to it. Oh, it's good stuff. But anyway, you can't yeah. get it in this country. You can only get it apparently in like Scandinavia and Africa. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the on the African tasting center, they have it from Uganda. And my wife's like, yes, let's pick a a better place for a Westerner to travel than Uganda to go get your soda. Luke. I'm like. I like my soda moment. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, uh, anything else? Anything else specific you wanted to cover on this one? No, I think I think we talked about it. I mean, it's it's really, yeah, it's a nice little banger, you know, kind of thing. It gets it out, you know. It's uh, looks cool. I mean, I wish comics kind of like were like this. And I mean, and again, I don't read a ton of comics now. Yeah. But I feel like every time I look at a comic book nowadays, it's like everyone's trying to like be edgy and whatever and like crazy art styles. Like there's something to be said about just a comic book. That's like solid, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what do I, I know? I, no. Yeah. You know, but that, but your opinion's totally valid. You're a consumer. Yeah. right? So yeah, it's, you know, we, we talk about this with wrestling all the time. Now people have gotten around to talking about wrestling as a product. Yeah. You know, and then right. as we're recording this, we're on the run up to AEW's debut on yeah. TV. And you want to know what's, what's hilarious is that for years, years you know there were there were certain people that really bashed on wcw for some of the things they did right, that didn't right, make right. sense to them 
looking at it as a, as a straight wrestling fan. It didn't sure. make sense. But then you, you read about it in books, you listen to it on podcasts, and you start to understand that things were done because it was a product. It was a television right. product. And so you were producing television each week. And it's like suddenly this stuff starts making sense. And then you start listening to Cody Rhodes or the Jacksons or Brandy Rhodes talking about AEW and how it's a, a product and how they're going to differentiate their product. And it's like, yeah. this all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I applaud that. You know, again, right. we, we mentioned, um, you know, Eze earlier on the show and one of Bischoff's uh, things that he talks about is that I could, you, you can be better than your competition, you can be different than your competition, or by default, you will be less than your competition, yeah. right? And that, that's one of the things I think that Valiant did, and still does. They, they, the, are, we go, are they going to be better than Marvel or DC with production value, with the name artists that they can get, with the promotion they can do, with the just simple brand recognition? That they have. No, they can't be that. So they have to be different. And either, you're either different or you're lesser than. And they, yeah. they choose generally to be different. And that's one of the reasons that their books always appeal to me. So, yep, yep, yep. Makes sense. So let's, yeah, so let's go into the rating here. Um, so the cover, I gave the cover a B. I really do like the cover. I love the figure work on it. I love Galahad on the cover. The cover, I should say, uh, I think I said it's earlier by uh, Joe St. Uh, Pierre. Yep. did the cover. Um, I don't like the plain blue background. If if this had a if this had just even the warehouse where they're fighting or maybe the streets of Los Angeles on the background, this would have been a, a B plus A minus cover for me. I I don't like the plain blue background. I love the Eternal Warrior logo. Um, even the old uh, Valiant uh, compass points is classic. Also, take a note: even back then, it was tough for third party publishers. Valiant two twenty five. Whereas yep. our what if from the next year was a dollar twenty five gives you an idea of the the difference in cost when it comes just down to volume of how many books you publish. Yep. So, but uh, interior art, I give the interior art uh, a B plus. Uh, uh, jo John Dixon is the only credited artist, so he does the uh, pencils and the inks here, and then uh, Paul Otio is the uh, the colorist. Just it's he said it's it's not flashy, but it's really solid. The storytelling is is really good. You can, it's always clear what's going on. There's no panels you have to do a double take at to figure out how that works or how the anatomy makes sense. Um, right. Both the, the quieter scenes with Galad when he's getting patched up and then the action beats and, of course, the flashback itself uh, where he is. It, you know what the flashback reminds me of? The, the full moon version of the pit and the pendulum. Yes. With oh, my God. Yes, me too. Yeah. Yeah. This is a whole bit where they're, where they're burning people at the stake in the, the yes, first act. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but, oh in God, fact, yeah. that's... Yeah, that's like the whole impetus because she she begs them, begs Torquemada not to do it and all that. But uh, let's face that, it, you can't talk about anything. No, you can't talk about anything. Send in the nuns. <laughs> Mixing and matching our Inquisition movies here, but uh, yeah. So I, I gave the I gave the R to B plus. I thought it was was really good. And then the story, I, I gave a B. It's a, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's not anything earth break earth earth shattering. It's a standard kind of a story. It's just an action story. But it does it does introduce readers to Bloodshot, who maybe were not as familiar with him. Um, Bloodshot number Bloodshot number one came out the same day. We were talking about the death of Superman. Bloodshot number right. one came out the same day as Superman seventy five, and yeah, they were the not two a good day to come out. Well, that's the thing though, is that there are lots of anecdotal stories about there being two lines at comic shops that day: one for Bloodshot number one, and one for Superman seventy five, because that's how. 
how much anticipation there was for this character of Bloodshot with the chromium right. cover that was going to be this this book that was going to be worth all this money. Yeah, right, right, right. But of course, it's, it's not. I mean, it's still Bloodshot's still a great series, but you know, read it because you want to read it. Don't read it thinking you're going to make any money off of it. That's good right. advice for comics in general. Right, but, right, yeah. But I, I mean, again, it, it's a nice done in one story. It's kind of a, again a standard type of story uh, layout for a Galad format for Galad with the flashback. And then picking up on the cliffhanger from the previous issue with uh, Bloodshot having ambushed him, and then um, and then going on to the story, just a lot of action. So overall, I give the book a, a B plus. I thought it was again a solid issue of Eternal Warrior, very much of type for the series at this time, and definitely worth reading, especially if you uh, want something a little different from your usual uh, long underwear crowd that you normally get in uh, comics. Yeah. yeah. How about yourself? I agree with you. The cover, uh, the background, really, the only thing I can complain about in the cover, um, I mean, I think that the cover is, like, so 90s. It's so, like, retro, and it's such a cool thing to me. Um, but the background kind of leaves something to be desired. So, it's a, you know, I, I guess a B, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I hate to, I mean, kind of almost a B plus. Like, I love the artwork on it. It's just, you know, the background kind of leaves it a little lacking. It's, you know, it's, it definitely will catch your attention on the newsstands, that's for sure. Um, the artwork inside is solid you know kind of thing you can't, can't shake a stick at that I, and I love that kind of artwork so b plus there story was good um you know again not people that i'm invested in um beyond this one issue i'm not like i don't really read a whole lot of like comics anyway so i think it's not like oh my god this is somebody i know or whatever um so i give the story a b because again i just didn't know and not that they didn't introduce themselves but i just don't know these guys beyond that and maybe if i had more of a connection to it maybe it would mean more um so overall b plus for this you know it's a good comic you know fun read you know one bang it out kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but again it's not it's not a world changer it's just uh you know part of a world builder so to say yeah absolutely because you 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 know even 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 if you don't know like intellectual like i know that okay galad and bloodshot will cross paths again just from this story you know okay these guys are going to cross paths again yeah these guys are not quite done with each other yet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, good. This this was uh, glad that uh, Paul and uh, Bill and Scott decided to take that cruise to Tahiti and give us uh, take the month off, uh, just like you know Shawn Michaels and Psycho said, "Big man, I'm giving you the night off." <laughs> but but no one got kicked in the face, so I think we're okay. And, and nobody watched the power bomb so bad that they had to edit yeah, around oh it either. So. Oh my god, bad power bomb! Can we do that again? Sorry, we're live, brother. Sorry, we're live, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was funny. I was talking. I was talking with a friend of friend of our shows, not necessarily friend of this show, uh, Bob Hanson, former New Wave Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Bob Hanson. And um, it was funny. We were talking about. Do you realize that? Shawn Michaels giving Psycho Sid the night off. That was in the spring of 95. Okay. And do you realize that Sid beats uh, Shawn for the world title at Survivor Series at MSG in November of 96? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, almost 18 months from that period before they actually locked up for the title. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, it was different back then. So you know, we had to have a whole angle with uh, Davy Boy Smith, where uh, you know they kept supposedly that Shawn Michaels wanted to sleep with Diana Smith. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it's just it's different, different thing. Then you also didn't have to have 
what uh, six six or seven hours of live wrestling every no, week. You had um, for, for you know, WWF. You had one hour of live wrestling. One hour. Yeah, I mean, this was storylines didn't have to go do all that. Uh, it's 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 what we talked about when we talked about MLW. You can kind of mention stuff, but you don't need to beat it over with a dead horse. But every week, yeah. man, you got like now. I mean, if I can't get a day without having to, like, well, Seth Rollins this and AJ Styles that, whatever. Like, oh my god, like. Yeah. For once, man, let's have an episode here. Where we can get through this stuff. No, the world title's got to be defended or whatever. I'm like, all right, and it means nothing anymore when you do that. Yeah. So, but that I, the, I, I agree. Yeah. That was the whole thing with like Brock Lesnar. It's like, oh, we want somebody who's actively defending the world title. It's like, okay, I could see that. I, I can understand that argument. But you know, for a long time, they didn't have that. Maybe we could yeah. try that again. You know, it, it yeah. does work. It can work. Not saying what they're doing is working. But it's not yeah. impossible. I'm just putting the problem it is, and and this is again, you've you've heard me say this. They want the Brock Lesnar kind of like so it's a it's an event every time he's on TV. Yeah. But they're also in the mindset that we need to have everyone on TV every week so they can be marketable because it's a product, you know. Yeah. Like literally, all Lesnar has to do is be on TV once, you know, every couple weeks, and right. he's still there. But like, we don't need Brock Lesnar on TV every week, you know, huh. kind of thing. So well, you know, back uh, back in the day, on you know, on. Uh, yeah, you on, didn't see on Nitro, Hogan wasn't on every week. Yeah, no. You know? Even I mean, when, even when after the New World Order, Hogan wasn't on every yeah. week. Usually the NWO would be out there. They'd be represented by Hall and Nash and Six, yep. you know, or, or yep. DiBiase or whomever, you know. Yeah. But, but you know. It's okay. It's, yeah, that's, it's fine. It's, nice it's chatter different. for another podcast. Wrestling, so, <laughs> yeah, wrestling and comics both very different than they were back in the 90s. For one yeah. thing, the investment is way up now. You know, yes. Just the the amount of for for comics, it's the out of pocket investment. For yep. wrestling, it's the out of you know opportunity cost investment. How much time you have to invest in it? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm not kidding. There's seven hours of WWE live every week. There's gonna be two hours of AEW live every week. There's yep. an hour of MLW every week. That's not live, but it's an hour of MLW. If you still decide to watch Impact, that's two hours technically, even though it's only about 15 minutes of wrestling. Yeah. Um, Same with you know, Ring of Honor. Bring of honor practically an hour, but not yeah. really anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm crazy. just saying it's it's just it's just, there's so much out there. I mean, we would have killed for this back in the day, but it's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, literally, literally, we would be up till two o'clock in the morning taping ECW, watching it when it happens, just in case the tape messed up. Yeah, <laughs> we got to stay up to watch it. Like literally, yeah. I have to get up in like three hours for a track meet. And I'm like, I'm staying up. I don't want the tape yeah, to mess up. Yeah, tape the mess up. That happened once. We can't do I'll, that again. I'll sleep on the bus, man. You know, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a division one track meet have to occur tomorrow. So what? I'm staying up. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. I, I have, to, I have to see. I have to see. Ta, not Ted. I have to see Mike Awesome fight Sal Renaro. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might miss the one match they're going to show me and the video package I've seen three times. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was. But it was yeah. that. But it was that good, man. It was good. It was the nineties. Yeah. It so, was the nineties. Just, just like our comics here on Back to the Yeah, they're so nineties. Yeah. So nineties. So all right, Jay. Any any closing thoughts to the Back to the Bins listeners? Why don't you tell everybody where they can hear you on the internet? Uh, so if you want to hear me yabber some more, you come over and check out Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie podcast, um, where uh, Dad and I, uh, usually Dad and I, sometimes we have guests like Luke will be on there, my buddy Jonathan Inbody will be on there, um, John LeMay, who's an author who wrote uh, the King Kong, uh, Un- Unmade Kong has been on with me. We talk about B-Movies and um, all kinds of stuff. We have a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, we got, so I'm saying, think, um, uh, put it this way, I mean, 
I think the we, we talk Jonathan Imbai and I are talking about Thirteen Ghosts, the remake in the beginning of November. You're going to have uh, Thanksgiving. Dad and I are going to talk about Food of the Gods, um, great movie called Upgrade from recently. Dad and I are coming in in December. All kinds of cool stuff happening there. If you want to hear Luke and I together, um, along with uh, Chris uh, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, you can hear that on Get Back to the Wrestling, right? Where we finally have a show on the internet about professional wrestling. Because if you couldn't tell, we like professional wrestling by now. Yeah. yeah. It comes um, up every now and again. It, it does come up every now and then. Um, also, if you want to hear Luke, Chris Tyler, myself, and original OG himself, Chris Honeywell, listen to the vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, where we use colorful language to talk about horror movies. <laughs> Very colorful. Oh, by the way, uh, it, just in case you have little kids with you, Boss Bungs and Babes is all ages, just like yeah. Earth Destruction Directive is all ages for Luke, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Get back to the wrestling, not quite all ages. Some harsh words said there. Um, Grown-up stuff. You know, we might say poopy, uh, things like that. Um, and, you know, uh, balarky. And, yeah. uh, and definitely on the vault, there's going to be some words that I don't even think, like, you know, my wife well, should the hear. Vault, I mean, the vault subject matter is not all ages yeah. appropriate anyway. No, it's so. not appropriate anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, you know, so. And then, you know, find me on Twitter and Facebook and the whole nine, so. Good. It's all good. Um, as Jay said, you can. Uh, I'm I'm a co-host of Get Back to the Wrestling in the Vault of Startling Monster or Tales of Terror here on Two True Freaks. I also host Earth Destruction Directive, which is a Daikaiju podcast covering uh, all aspects of Japanese giant monsters. Talking about movies, comics, video games, toys, and everything else I can think of. Uh, show's been on a bit of a hiatus. I've had a, a a crazy summer. Not the movie One Crazy Summer, which does in fact feature a cameo from Godzilla, but. Um, <laughs> That's, a, that's 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 some throwback Thursday action for We're you. We're going deep on that one. That's a but, deep cut. Um, yeah, but uh, no, so we've got some stuff coming up. We can take a look at some more Ultraman, some more Godzilla. Um, and as always, we're, of course, pushing towards uh, doing a Power Rangers Christmas, as we always do in December on Earth Destruction Directive. So mm-hmm. uh, give that a listen. You can check that out on Earth Destruction, Direct, uh, Earth Destruction Directive on TuchuFreaks.com. Yeah. So, Jay, any, uh, any closing words of wisdom? Uh, well... As Sting would tell us, the only thing for sure is nothing's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>